Welcome to the Right Brain Music Podcast, presented by Right Brain Records. I'm Scott, and I thank you for joining us. Mac Ritchie is best known as a master of the oud, which is a fretless Middle Eastern lute and an ancestor of the guitar. From that description, you might think he's a traditionalist, and you'd be wrong. In fact, Mac is a bunch of things wrapped up into one. A multi-instrumentalist, a prolific composer and performer, a producer of over 300 albums by other artists, and an innovative instrument builder. He also happens to be a superb improviser across many types of music. How did a former 80s rock guitarist from New England become an international sensation on an instrument often associated with Turkish, Arabic, and Persian music, as well as an eloquent purveyor of free improvisation? Let's find out. I'm again joined by Derek Jordan of The World Fusion Show as co-host. You can watch Derek's interview of and performance with Mac on episode 33 of The World Fusion Show. Welcome, Derek. Hey, this is Derek Jordan, and I just wanted to say thank you for inviting me to this joint discussion interview with Mac Ritchie. and a music producer. I would say I'm somebody who's been involved in multicultural music for a long time, but I take it from a traditional place into a recombinative place and a hybrid place. And I've always been a non-traditionalist ever since I was young, starting to learn music. I always did it sort of the, the, the I'm going to do it my own way, own way. It's like from the heart. And so music for me is always a very, um, it's a fluid and fast kind of communication process. It evolves you know, our interests evolve over time. But for me, I love the detail of creating music. As a music producer, I've produced three, 400 albums over 20, 30 years. And I love that communication with clients just as much as I love being on stage and being off the page. 
not knowing where we are, but knowing full well that we'll get back to back to the head when somebody makes a call. Um, I love that feeling of being sort of like out there in front of an audience, stretching the limits of the composition. The oud is my primary stringed instrument. I was a guitar player growing up, and right at around age 28, 29, I was getting pretty kind of tired of the, the dog and pony show of playing at Tuesday nights at a club for nobody at 11.30, and was really kind of rethinking about how I wanted to apply myself as a performing musician. Um, and it was right around the time that I heard a recording um, by Hamza Eldin, who's a Sudanese oud player and frame drummer. Um, a lot of people know him in the U.S. because he was connected with Mickey Hart, and I think he uh, toured and opened for the dead a number of times. Um, but I found his album called A Wish, um, and it really touched me enormously. Um, and I said, I, I want to do that. I want to I play whatever that instrument is, and I'll find out what it is, and I'll let it take me to a new place. And so I ended up seeking out the oud as an instrument, and it brought me to uh, the study of classical Turkish music. Um, and the oud is one of the primary instruments within Middle Eastern music. It's um, as common around the Mediterranean as the guitar is here. It's a lute, it's a fretless lute with a very round back, short scale neck. And it's related to the European lute and to the Chinese pipa. It's probably the, um, the predecessor of both, the seed instrument. And so I was drawn to the oud by the sound, and then I started learning the repertoire. And the repertoire is you know, Armenian folk music, Arabic dance tunes, classic Turkish. I like to relate to instruments that I understand how they want to sound, how they want to be played, and, and do a little bit of justice to do a little bit of um, homework to uh, study the, the oud, study the, the scale system, study the modes, so that when I know that I'm breaking a rule, I know why I'm breaking the rule, not because I didn't study it. Before I started studying oud, I listened to a lot of modal music, but I didn't really understand what that meant. I didn't understand that concept of um, building around. I, mean, I understood on an intellectual level the idea of you know working around a drone note, a root note, um, and the distance from the root note is what's most important, not the counterpoint, not the fancy harmony. That's that's not a part of the music. It's a much more still form of music. Um, it's a uh, slower evolving. And so understanding how the oud plays a role within that repertoire, it started teaching me the principles of modal music and to understand that sense of the slow evolution of, of, of writing. So I brought some of that modalism certainly into my compositions uh, that I play with other ensembles that are not traditionally based. Sometimes I'll throw in quarter tones, microtones that are used within a Turkish scale system into a composition with 12-tone Western instruments just for a color and a flavor. But you have to know how to apply that so you're not clashing with somebody. You know, you have to be able to apply that as a grace note or as a flourish. Um, so there are ways that you can slip it in, even though you're crossing traditions and even crossing tuning systems.
other thing that the Ood taught me, which is, I think it's, it's a common, it's a common risk factor for guitar players. Guitar players are often very riff oriented players, especially rock guitar players. And I grew up in the eighties. So trust me, I was a rock guitar player desperately with like an orange fro like this. I was really wanted to, I was into hair metal and I was a riff guy. And it wasn't until I started playing Ood that I actually learned the concept of melody. People are in lockstep working on expressing this much more grandiose, but still sense of musical interrelationship of intervals. The, the composition is it's almost more majestic because it's going for something more geometric than how clever of a song can I write? You're, you're working within something sort of more mystical, more mathematical. That taught me melody. And then that brought, um, the second I that started clicking for me, when I'd come back to my writing and for rock and whatnot, I mean, suddenly all of my writing just went so much through the roof, just skyrocketed, because I started listening to things differently. And the music that I used to not like within the rock genre, now I liked, I appreciated it more, got more into jazz. I had to do a sort of a loop to come back to it to appreciate it.
So Mac, you're also an instrument builder, and I know that's something you care about a lot. I become absolutely impassioned about building guitars. Thank heavens I had something to do when I didn't have any clients or any gigs for the last year. I have uh, spent a lot of time making a lot of wood chips and some prototypes. I'm working on like an electric oud prototype hybrid instrument uh, that I've basically kind of envisioned for like 20 or 30 years. And so I learned how to start building because I have this image of an instrument that I want to have. Well, also, my, I have to say, because I'm, I'm prejudiced, my favorite instrument that you made is the curved didgeridoo, which you play with me on the World Fusion show. And it's just a phenomenal, great sounding instrument. And uh, it's a fun duet that we did together. In the that was a great one. I really enjoy Every time that comes back up, I listen to it again. And my wife says, oh, that was so fun. I really like that piece. Yeah, a lot of people enjoyed it. The idea of this circular didgeridoo, which I call a circumhunculator, um, it was born out of the idea of wanting to take a didgeridoo to the parking lot scene at a fish show. And so I didn't want to take a long straight didgeridoo and walk around the parking lot scene with a nice piece of wood that could get scraped up or damaged. So I just put a bunch of PVC together and I took it with me to um, a couple shows. It was a hit. People loved it. And I loved walking around carrying this thing kind of marching. And so I went home and started working on making a, a more quality PVC one. Um, and it's all wrapped up in plasters. You can't even tell that it's it's even plumbing. Um, and then I started working on wooden ones, which are a little tricky because it's just end grain gluing without any biscuit joinery. Because I don't know, I didn't know how to do that. Um, I think that made these 20 years ago. So it was one of the first instruments I made. also love the world where there is no composition, where it's truly in the moment. And then, and, and, and all, all you're doing then is you're using your ears and your reaction time. How quickly can you say yes and? Not, not but, no, let's do something else. But if you're in the improv realm, it's yes, let's go. And you just continue the conversation in the moment. A couple New Year's in a row, I was hosting a New Year's jam. And um, a, a, a group of friends would come up, you know, like college roommates and our extended friend group. And we would just, you know, play free music until three in the morning, multi-track record it. And um, we called that the Jerry Mentalman experience. The Jerry Mentalman experience has created three albums of free improv with poetry and absolute hijinks in the studio. Three hours of just letting it go. And that was sort of that moment that I, I realized in order for the free improv to be truly free, you gotta let go of your agenda. You have to let go of, well, I've got this idea, and if everybody in this room picks up on my idea, let me push that forward. Well, the second you do that, you're no longer improvising. You're saying, okay, I have a plan, and I'm gonna try to transmit it to everybody without any preparation. Then you're, you're abandoning so many of the possibilities of what the freeness is.
Now, what happens when the next person responds? Do you just say the same thing again? Not really, that's not improv. To be truly in a free improv place, you just gotta kind of let go. And it can get pretty out there, but the more out there you get, the more you find yourself letting go to the moment. Only way you get to that point that happened at 15 minutes and 16 seconds, that amazing point was by going through that place at seven minutes where you all kind of locked into a jam and then at 10 minutes somebody came up with something and somebody stopped but then somebody used that as an opportunity to do that weird sound which then created that new thing which then cascaded into that amazing thing that happened at 15 minutes and 16 seconds right and that happened because everybody just let go for a while and they flowed downstream in their rafts until they got to that magical spot where the raft starts spinning and suddenly Look at what we just made. Look at what we made in the moment out of nothing. We didn't even talk about it. It just happened. actually did some free improv on the air with Mac and you've done so much of this. I do a lot of that on the World Fusion show with my guests. It's sort of our standard operating procedure to do these live music, unrehearsed, unplanned, free improvisations. And we just jump in and see where it takes us. Um, Luckily, it's been pretty successful <laughs> up to now. Mostly works really well. I was also wanting to ask Mac um, about collaboration because one of the things that really works for me is to seek out unusual instrumentalists, composers, people who play different instruments and try to join with them in the moment to create and to push myself into new areas. And I'm wondering, Mac, if you've done that too. Once I got to the free improv place and started exploring what that was like and what it was doing to challenge my sort of relationship with being in the moment in the music, saying yes to other people's ideas and working with other people and following their pathways of thinking, my relationship with how I wanted to make music, how I wanted to record music, transformed like radically. Now I find that I actually don't have a lot of desire 
to do music on my own. Music in community has become so much more important than what I talk my control nature of the perfection of the composition. I'm curious, what do traditionalists think about your music? Only reports of anecdotal stories that I've had, because um, I'm, not, I'm not Turkish, I'm not Egyptian, um, but I have had some, <laughs> I, I got a great compliment once from somebody who said we were jamming, and says, I think this is a Turkish guy, and he opened up his eyes and he looked at me, he's like, I do not expect to be seeing what I'm seeing right now. And he just went back to playing his flute. And he was basically referring like, you know, here's this, you know, you know, pale, clearly like, you know, you know, Irish, Scottish descent guy, red hair, and I'm playing oud and I'm playing in Macam. Um, so I've been accepted in that, in a lot of those circles, because I did my homework. Right now, I'm working on an EP with a friend of mine in Portugal who plays Bauron. He likes to run it through an eventide effects processor and play in unusual time signatures. Well, we met at this festival and we totally hit it off. And he and I are working on an EP that's going to get released real soon of rock and roll tunes as conceived for Oud and Bauron. And uh, we had a lot of fun, you know, re-envisioning Sign of the Times by Prince, World Running Down by The Police. Uh, we did War Pigs by Black Sabbath. I hope we're going to kind of like, you know, confuse a few people and delight them by our, uh, our, our willingness to kind of take it into a different realm. I have friends in Tehran. I have friends in the Gaza Strip. I have friends in Yerevan. I have friends all over the world now, and it's through music. It's through me studying the music of other cultures in a respectful way, and then going into conversation with them.
Mac Ritchie's musical journey reflects a spirit of adventure that draws on the best of American music, notably rock and jazz, as well as the beauty and intensity of the Eastern Mediterranean's traditions. He proves, once again, that the boundaries we imagine are artificial. Find out more about Mac, link to his interview on The World Fusion Show, and see a playlist for this episode at rightbrainrecords.com slash blog. Listening to the Right Brain Music Podcast, presented by Right Brain Records. You can visit us at rightbrainrecords.com. Farewell for now. Join us next time.